even right now, I think there's always opportunities in any market, whether it's a hot market, bad market, whatever you want to call it. I think the great agents find opportunities in everything. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. We use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used Line Desk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow Up also gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow-Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars. Today, I am interviewing Raquel Cunet, and this is Stephanie Heiser filling in for Erin Amuchastegui. Today, we're going to dig into so many different topics from an amazing, amazing, amazing person right outside of Scottsdale, Arizona. And she's going to just give us perspectives from so many different angles. So what's up, Raquel? What's up? I'm excited to be here. Honored to be on the show and honored that you reached out. Yeah, I was so excited when I started researching and learning all about you. I just 
am so, so impressed. And I cannot wait for our listeners to take advantage of this time with you. So tell us about where you are, what led you to be where you are today, what you do all about you. Oh, I don't know if we have enough time, but I will <laughs> shortcut the version of I am in Scottsdale, Arizona, originally from the Bay Area, born and raised in the Bay Area, built uh, real estate teams, mortgage companies, and then came out to sell them and came out to Arizona to go take a CEO role for um, a failing brokerage, which we turned around and basically it became one of the top 10. So a lot of times people leave corporate to actually start entrepreneurship. And I was actually the opposite where I started entrepreneurship, started businesses, and then was recruited into corporate. That gave me an opportunity to go into different other things in the corporate world, as well as startups, became the only female at a startup and was the chief revenue officer. So a C-level position in the prop tech space, which is a technology platform for real estate investors. And then now today I coach and consult uh, different businesses from the online world to real estate agents, real estate leaders, and brokerages. That is so interesting and so exciting. So what are you seeing right now in this crazy market shift we have going on our your agents across the country seeing the same things? Are some markets still really hot while others like came to a screeching halt? What do you think's going on out there? I think there's definitely a shift, whatever you want to call it, whether it's a shift, um, a correction, a balanced market. I think it varies from state to state, even within neighborhood to neighborhood. There are still some very, very hot neighborhoods and there are still some that aren't doing so well. And we seem to think just based on last couple of years that real estate was extremely hot. And so sellers, what we're starting to see is sellers could get multiple offers within 24, 48 hours. Now you got in some markets where it's past seven days, past 14 days, and they are shopping for another realtor, right? Because they have been so accustomed to a hot market and they're saying, what's wrong with my agent because they can't sell my house. I don't have an offer in day 14. Yeah, I think one of the other reasons why our days on market is longer than it has been is that sellers are still pricing well too high and especially based on, you know, our recent shift that's happening, but I've had sellers that um, you know, oh, that 800 square foot cabin got millions of offers for 500,000. My house is 2000 square feet. So it's a million dollar house. And then it's just comparing apples to oranges. And especially when you're comparing like a home that's furnished and is a five-star Airbnb, that is just so different than your traditional single family. So I've kind of seen that because both of my markets are really hot for short-term rentals and they're both next to national parks. Yep. And, um, then with different city ordinances, changing governing short-term rentals, that has impacted our market a lot. But um, you're right, the neighborhood to neighborhood is really changing. Um, what else do you think is contributing to everything that's going on with the agents that are having success selling right away versus 
two whole weeks later, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not a long time, but it feels like a long time. Yeah. I think there's a couple different factors when it comes to agents pricing ahead of the market, understanding expectations of the clients, the ones that could really lay out expectations of good, bad, ugly, here's what we're in for. Uh, when you put your house on the market, you see those agents winning because they're able to hone in their skills when it comes to expectations, when it, whatever you want to call it. If it's like scripts, they understand that they actually have to be strong on the front end rather than price high and then come to them with disappointment because that's when you break trust. And I think that in any relationship, whether you're an agent or whether you're in business, it's like when there's fear in the market because of the economy or the news, it's like it is our responsibility to lower that fear by figuring out what's next. And when you can lower feel, you can start to build trust. So what do you think is next? I think it depends on each market. So I think what's next is I think if, if we were talking about just the real estate industry as a whole, I think that you're going to see a lot of people leave the business in, in, and it happens in every cycle because it's going to be a lot harder or you're going to have to do some double the effort to make the same amount of money. Plus you've got the shift of the decline in volume. So sometimes you could actually go 100, 200, 300, 400,000 over asking and your average price points last year, or even in the last six months is so different from today. I have clients that have markets where in March it's $300,000 less for the same exact property today, right? So if you want to protect your equity and if you have to sell or you want to sell, I think that it's just about strategically pricing it and having the expectations around it. Because even right now, I think there's always opportunities in any market, whether it's a hot market, bad market, whatever you want to call it. I think the great agents find opportunities in everything. Yeah. And you said you've been in this business for over two decades. So what? Um, how did you thrive in the last recessions? And what do you think would be good strategies for agents that take advantage of those opportunities, this downturn? Yeah, I went into, I think from 2007 is when we like had hit in the Phoenix market of the recession to 2010. And during that time, I was a CEO for a large brokerage that was failing. So they came off of a hot market. I came new to the area. And what I realized and quickly realized is that people were so used to a hot market, they didn't understand how to deal with a bad market. So when you have agents, especially at the age that I was at, I was a kid myself, I was 25, 26, and I'm running 300 agents in an office, but I have foreclosures happening on a daily basis of my agents, houses getting foreclosed. I have repossessions happening in the parking lot and I'm getting these levies for taxes. You're like, holy cow. What do we do? But I feel that like leaders always step up and this is their opportunity to shine. And that's what you're seeing with a lot of teams, whether you're at different brokerages is the ones that have the leadership skills, regardless, even in the pandemic that can push their teams forward or push their brokerage forwards always wins. They always do, but they take action. And so I would say from the last recession, what I learned even in a new market, it was like, okay, who had the most listings were REO agents. And who actually dominated those markets were short sell and REO agents. So I knew it's like we actually, as a brokerage, had to have REO accounts if we were going to survive this market. 
The other thing is we needed to cut down on expenses because when transactions aren't happening as fast as they were, you got expenses that are lopsided, right? So you got to extend that runway of cash flow. And so we started cutting down expenses. We started getting really creative, just like you do in the investment world of getting really creative with financing. And you're seeing that, like you talked about STR, there's a whole nother, I think, thing to STRs, to seller financing, to the investment world, to the commercial space that I think there's going to be lots of opportunities coming because there hasn't been, um, when I talked to a, a couple of our connections from you know a couple of years ago or the last recession, a lot of them have reached out already saying that we have a lot of people that have not paid their mortgage. They do have equity, but they need solutions. And so I think for any agent that's listening, you got to be the number one, the authority through visibility, and you have to have solutions, whatever it is. So if they haven't paid their mortgage, what are their options that we can help them with? Or who are those like loan defaults that are going to start to happen that we can get connected to? Because in the REO days or in the recession of the last one, I mean, I can't even tell you, I think after even being a team leader, we must have spent 60 to 70,000 of money we didn't have to meet these asset managers, to be in those rooms, to get that Fannie, Freddie, or Bank of America account. But that's what was driving the market, right? So if you know that your market's being driven by for sale by owners or by foreclosures, it's like, who do I need to get connected with? And you know, we can always talk about strategy. I say is that um, as you go through life and as the market starts to change, but I think what's even what I've learned is that there's nothing better than relationships. Relationships beat strategy all day long. And I'll give you an example because during the pandemic, a lot of people never had their teams, never had their assistant on Zoom. They all would prospect in the office. They all had a, a schedule. And they had no idea how to lead people remote because it's it's a different skill. And I would say that like when that whole thing happened, I reached out to my mentors and I was like, what are you guys doing? And when you get in these rooms and you get around bigger thinkers that are losing money left and right, millions of dollars per day, you start to think differently. Like one of them owned a franchise of a big fitness and they were losing four to $5 million a day. Like, how do you stop that bleeding, right? And so when you can get around the right people they will, they're, they would be willing to help you. When you get around these groups or these communities like real estate rockstars, you start to meet people and you start to connect with people. It's how we, you and I connected right through somebody else. And so I think that relationships are far more important than any strategy that you can learn in a book. You can Google because that will take you very far in life. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people, a lot of successful agents in my market that I'm seeing are those of us that are like agent investors, or we know how to find the houses that are going to be in foreclosure or are in foreclosure and how to, you know, provide value to the people that might be in a horrible situation and just don't even like have the energy to think about it. So I personally love to like offer people the different options of going on the market, which a few months ago, that was a guarantee. We'll go on the market and sell right now for 50,000 over what I'm offering you, Mm -hmm. or like I will front you the money to do some renovations and then go on the market 
And I think that hybrid, you know, agent investors are going to have a lot of success in the upcoming months and years as we get back to normal. So everyone's freaking out that the days on market have doubled. Like, okay, we went from three days to six days. Like, it's okay. I mean, honestly, I have a a listing um, that has been on the market for 10 days and I haven't been able to show it yet because of um, an Airbnb guest is in there. But I've gotten a lot of phone calls that I'm like, man, four months ago, this would have been sold already, sight unseen, no inspections, here's the cash, let's move on. So the shift that's happening isn't necessarily awful. And I have clients that were able to um, get their FHA offer accepted. So I think there's a lot of good things happening too. Yep. I think that like for the buyers that were staying or being on the fence and that are complaining about interest rates, I get it. Right. And I still think it's still a great time to buy. It's always a great time to buy. It's, you know, three years ago, you were competing against so many offers that you couldn't even compete. Last year, you were competing against people that came to the table with cash and wrote the difference between the appraisal and were willing to write a check at closing for that difference because we had overbid on a particular property. And today it's interest rate. So home buyer, where do you really want to buy? Do you really want to be, because there's always going to be something, right? And so I think for the first time ever, I think it's, you know, when you're buying and selling, I say that it's always a catch 22. Sometimes when you sell, you're like, I can't find property, especially in the last hot market. Right now you can put your house on the park, uh, on the market, you can negotiate terms today and you can get a great deal on a buy side. Like there's never been a better time to buy and sell than right now. Yeah. It's always something like you said. And, um, what would, what are some of the strategies that your agents are using to help buyers see that it's okay that the interest rate is going up? Are you getting sellers to help buy down the rate or, I've had sellers definitely giving more concessions than they have for the last two years. And we were giving zero concessions yeah. and yep. getting nothing, no contingency for nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now that's really starting to flip. So what kind of strategies are you guys using to get your buyers to understand that it is a great time to buy? Yeah, I think that when back then, or even like a couple of months ago, it's day one, you had to like rush to the property to actually see it today. You've got some time, you've got some leverage and it's understanding what's on the table, right? So like, if you're looking at people that have been sitting on the market day 14 to day 30, you know, that they're a little bit more flexible on terms than somebody that came in. So you might be able, cause they might be thinking about a firing their agent or doing a reduction. So you might as well get in there where they have that anxiety of, is my house going to sell? And then you put in your offer. The other thing is, like you said, you can have concessions, you can have different things before we'd be in backup and trying to figure out how do we get the first offer to not go through so that we can actually pursue and buying that property. Um, another thing is just understanding where the buyer's at, you know, is are they renting right now? And in our market, in the Phoenix market, rents have gone up 
significantly. Um, you know, on an average market, you're at 75, maybe to 100, maybe to 150 per month in increase. Today, it's anywhere between 500 to 1000 from a year ago. Right. And even sometimes more in the luxury market. So, you know, taking a look at like, hey, yes, our interest rate went up. And let's look, let's think about what the difference is in payments. And let's think about if you were actually, if the landlord was to sell your rental today or put it on the market, how much would you really be paying? And do you want to have that security of paying the same amount for 30 years versus not knowing a year from now that your payment could actually double? And you can lose like an opportunity at equity and tax write-off. Yeah, for sure. And um, so are your agents that you're seeing across the board feeling a lot of burnout? Are we still, like I know, and the agents I've been talking to and personally, I just feel like, whoa, that was like, I finally have a little bit of time to breathe after working 24 seven for the last two years and closing deal after deal and writing a billion offers. And now it's like, okay, the phone didn't ring for a day. That feels really weird, but also that's awesome because I really need to just sleep or decompress or handle things in my own life. What are you seeing um, throughout your agents? Well, I deal with a lot of different teams today. And when I can say about them is they have a passion to scale. So that's one thing that we teach all the time is how do we scale revenue? How do we play bigger, not only in business, but in life? And so when they go into burnout, it's probably they've added too many things on their plate to begin with that they lost boundaries or they lost. And I really like teach on this like five C's to scaling anything. And one of those five C's is capacity. So before we can even think about a strategy or think about, you know, auditing what's happening in their business is like, do they even have the capacity to install some of the strategies that we see or some of the gaps uh, that we see? So for anyone that has been thinking about or feeling a sense of burnout, it's part of, I think, entrepreneurship right? We get to a point to understand boundaries and go like, that didn't feel good. Just like a client is like, we've had great clients, but we've had really nasty clients that call us at midnight and you're like, I'm never doing that again. Or I'm never discounting my commission because they were the toughest clients ever. So it's the same thing with burnout. I think it pushes your boundaries for you to understand as an entrepreneur or as a CEO of your company of like, what can I eliminate, delegate, because I'm not going to do this anymore. Or what can I systematize? And I think that when we get to burnout, like I said, it's boundaries, it's clear expectations, or am I missing a who or a system in my life that is causing me to work and overwork myself? But for some, like working 12 hours, working 24 hours, like that, they love that because they love building. They are like in this momentum mode. But for others, it's like everybody has a different threshold when it comes to what work-life balance is or how we integrate it. And so when people say, well, you got to get up at five. Yeah, for some people, but not necessarily for everybody because some people operate really well at night and like can stay up till two o'clock and three o'clock in the morning. So when it comes to being burnt out, I say like one, find like clarity in your purpose of like, what do I want my business to look like that it can fuel my soul, that it could fuel and give me the return or give me the energy that I need to take it to the next level. Because if you're feeling like, hey, I haven't hit a deal. And most of the times what I found out in the last recession 
is when they were feeling burnt out, I can almost relate to their report of like, when was the last time they put something in escrow? Because the moment that you start to see some of the data and some of the trends, you're like, that's what it's actually a stress factor because of financial more so that they're burnt out. And so they go into this desperation or they, they start talking to their clients of like, you know, we've got to list this house and it's almost desperation and not from a consulting approach. Make sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then what about those of us who do close escrows all the time and feel burnt out because it was like, I personally had super fast success. I did not ever in my life imagine I would be a full-time real estate agent. I was drowning in student loan debt. I had my admin credential. I was the vice principal. I thought like, okay, I'm for sure stuck in the education world because that's what I have so much debt in and so much time and energy invested into that. And then I just like fell into my first um, flip and then I became super addicted from that. And in two and a half years, it has drastically changed my life. But, um, you know, there's, I'm just new and yes, all I know is the crazy market, but I'm fully confident in pivoting and shifting and so excited to have a little bit of a break as well. But I've just heard a ton of agents talking about, you know, how they've like hit the end of the marathon and then your body just gives out. Like you said, like you go in the momentum and thrive on that, which I do because I love to just go, go, go. But then you kind of come to a halt sometimes and then you have to have the mental clarity to be able to pivot in this market. But I feel like some people are still just so burnt out with or without financial stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that when we have those moments of burnout is probably an opportunity for you to get away and just have like to just to think and have some clarity around, you know, what is it that is causing me to be burnt out? What can I, if I look at my schedule today, or if I look at some of the things that I'm managing or that it's taking capacity, even mental capacity, um, I have a lot of my clients that have tons of crazy ideas, tons of like building different platforms. And so one exercise that I'll have them do is brain dump, brain dump everything that you had ha- have in your head. Because when you look at even some of the fears that you want to pursue, fear doesn't exist on paper. You actually look at it from a different angle and say like, who's my who that can help me get there? Who is, um, what's, who do I need to be connected with? Who do I need to elevate? You know, who, which room do I need to get into that I can elevate my thinking? And, you know, I always say and take this analogy of with real estate agents is imagine the day before you leave on vacation. There is absolutely so much focus. You're trying to get so much done and you get on that plane or on that cruise and you're like, dang, I can't believe I took five listings in the morning. I, you know, dialed like a hundred calls and I got to close on three closings all in a day, all by myself, right? It's because you were so focused. It's because you had an end goal because you had a reward at the end. And I think like what I tell a lot of our clients is, Sometimes you just need to plan your vacation so that like you're running in sprints so that you have something to look forward to because 
it does become a grind when you're in a rat race, whether it's transactions, whether it's clients, whether it's financial, whether it's not financials, you're constantly always thinking when you're an entrepreneur, like, what about this? What can I do with this? Or this mastermind that we're having next year, what, how do I want to position the event? Like there's always something that you're thinking about. Always. It's so hard to turn that off, but I agree. I love to plan things, not because of the focus and clarity, but actually putting intentionality to that is so that's going to be super beneficial, but I just like to have stuff to look forward to. Like I always have to have something planned and something going on and another house to buy or another house to flip or another project to start But then I have to remind myself that also I need to plan like just two days where I have no cell reception. So that way I can for real recharge and then go back to working all the time because you're right. As an entrepreneur, it's so hard to turn that off. And when I see agents that aren't entrepreneurs and they like come into this because they want to work like nine to five for someone else and not have their own identity and like run with the brand or the name of their team lead or their brokerage. It just, I mean, it works for them. It can work for them, but it is so interesting to me because I feel like I don't want to work a nine to five. That's why I became an entrepreneur and own my own business because I want to work 24 seven, apparently. Yeah, I think I've just had the honor of even like in the startup world and I had worked for my first billionaire. So that alone was a journey and had so many lessons. And as you got to meet more eight and nine figure entrepreneurs or that were building businesses to exit, there was nothing on their calendar. They had a lot of thinking time and I was like, man, I must be doing something wrong. Yeah. And that's when they make strategic moves and strategic partnership moves. And I thought that was really interesting. And they are really dialed in on their time because they love freedom. They love freedom. They love to control their time. And so some of these uh, CEOs that I had worked for, it was like, you have to run revenue. You have to scale the company, but you got seven minutes. That's it the whole week. So it's like (laughs) you get really strong with, all right, uh, what can I pack? What can I prioritize? And what can I solve later? Because I need the answers to X, Y, and Z. So that is a really incredible lesson. Well, I really, really appreciate your time. Are there any parting words before you tell us where we can find you? Yeah, I think that embrace the new shift, embrace the new market. I think there's opportunities with everything and who you align with matters the most. Amazing. So where are you most active? Where can we go find out all about you and message you and reach out and learn more? Absolutely. Uh, We play a lot on Instagram today. That's probably our platform of choice, but we are on Facebook and LinkedIn and um, YouTube is something that we're growing and TikTok because of, you know, visibility. And I think that that's probably the biggest difference from the last recession to this is that you got a lot of noise around social media. And so it's time for agents to really step up and be visible and be the authority of their market because no one can deliver it better than them. Absolutely. So what's your Instagram handle? It's Raquel Q. It's I-T-S-R-A-Q-U-E-L-Q. Awesome. And I also heard you might have a podcast of your own. What's that? 
Yeah. So it's called the Raquel show. We interview different people from different walks of life. And it's all about like my one big mission of inspiring people to keep playing bigger at business and in life. I don't believe that like you have to build lots of businesses to enjoy it later. I'm like, you could do both and you can have fun doing it. That's awesome. Thank you so, so much for your time today. I know our listeners got so much out of that. And thanks for listening, Real Estate Rockstars. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much. All right, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>